bolt, and if you didn't, please make sure you get one on your way out. There's a lot going on, and uh, so I want to make sure everyone has that information. We've got uh, the children's program next week in the evening. They've been working uh, hard on it. Uh, so Cecil B. DeVille, or whatever his name was, he was messing around me. We've been making costumes and sets at my house. Uh, <laughs> been a very exciting time. Uh, but the children uh, are all getting excited about this, and so we look forward to their presentation. It's all about, it's all about the love of God. And so uh, tomorrow and next week uh, in the evening, we'll be having that. Also, uh, we're asking people to share their birthdays. I don't know if you saw some of the things on the, the monitor, but they were wishing people happy birthdays. So uh, there's a sign-up in the foyer for that. So, And also, if you need a T-shirt, uh, we have extra long sleeve t-shirts uh, for assembly out there too. A lot of things going on, so make sure you get a copy of the bulletin and see that. We've got prime time, the men's ministry, gather, everything coming up this month. And the last thing I want to remind everyone is on Wednesday evenings at 6 o'clock, we have PUSH, which is pray until something happens. And so we're meeting here at 6, and we're praying uh, prior to the Wednesday night uh, services. And so I want to invite everyone to come and participate in that. And God's moving. Uh, and as, as I prayed about this morning, what the Lord impressed on me is as, as we seek him, as we move towards him, he moves towards us. And so I want to encourage everyone this morning to press in, to press in during praise and worship. Uh, also in your bulletin, you'll see a, a handout about our music fund. So as we continue to support our music group, they support us. But they're, they're there to lead us. They're not there to entertain us, although it is entertaining because they're good. But they're there to lead us into the presence of the Lord. So I want everyone to participate individually and seek the face of God this morning because he's, he's, he's anxious for us to be with him. So if we'll stand, we're going to pray for those that need prayer. But we're going to read from the book of Proverbs, starting in chapter 2, just a few verses to set our mind before we go to prayer. It says, My son... If you will receive my words, and if you will hide my commandments within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom out of his mouth, and out of his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom who walk rightly, uprightly. He keeps the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his saints. So, Father, we come to you this morning because you are faithful and true. And you established before the foundation of the world a plan that we could be with you that you would be our God and we would be yours and we would be your children and know you. So, Father, we thank you that we come to know you through Jesus, your son, who you sent to show us the way. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that he gave as he poured out his life, poured out his blood on the mercy seat for our sin, that we might be free from sin and full of your spirit. We thank you for being born again, Lord. We thank you for the power of your spirit that's in us. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you will complete the work in us that you've begun through the presence of your spirit in us. For we come to worship you and praise you this morning, for you are worthy, Lord. And we declare victory over all the power of darkness 
Father, we thank you for healing in the body. We thank you for deliverance from oppression. We thank you for salvation in the name of Jesus. And we lift up all those, Lord, that need healing in every part of their being. And Father, we set it free right now in Jesus' name. For you said whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. For we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
and praise, church. Just lift your hands and clap to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get caught up in the sequence of what we do every Sunday when we get together. And as we have the ushers come forward to receive our tithes and offerings, let us stay in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to pray a different prayer over the offering than what we normally do this morning. I'm going to pray Psalm 91 so we can continue to realize how much God loves us and how much he cares for us. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. For His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you, for you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High God your dwelling, even the Lord who is your refuge, then no harm will befall you and no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will lift you up in their hands, 
so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, and I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Father, as we come to give these tithes and offerings to you, we know that you alone are God. We thank you for your protection and your love and your mercy and your grace. We ask you to bless this offering now. Let it be multiplied many, 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 many times for your purpose and for your kingdom that all may know that you are the true and living God and they may come to know you through your son, Jesus. We ask a blessing for a harvest upon this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. this time we're going to let our children go to children's church let's pray for them as they go as as well as the people that are ministering to them father we thank you for our children we thank you that your hand is upon them guide and direct them and those that minister to them lord let this time be fruitful for your purpose in jesus name hearts are ready to receive God's word as pastor comes. Amen. Good to see everybody. Debbie sends her love. She's traveling fast back towards Alabama. You know, I let her go to Florida about once ever, you know, no, I don't let her do anything. Y'all. <laughs> Let's clear that up right quick. She, uh, she does send her love. They are coming back. We had she had an uncle to pass away this week and uh, so this past weekend and so they had the funeral and so she went she actually was one of the ones who shared at it she was very close to them growing up it was one of those deals where when you she's one of 10 children so you send them every direction you can she always got to go to uncle jackie's and uh, at judy's house so uh, we we thank the lord that uh, she was able to go. She's going to be back tonight, so she'll be here with us. So I'm excited about that. I've told her, I said, you need to get home in time to go to church. You need it, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, you know. Hey, I'm going to mention something to you. Uh, you received a little flyer in your bulletin. It's our music fund uh, announcement and uh, just something to make you aware of what's going on. We had to purchase a keyboard, so... We mentioned that last Sunday, spent $2,400 on that and are very thankful for the opportunity to be able to put some uh, a new instrument in the hands of a guy who is anointed and very capable of leading us. And we thank God for Barry and his ministry. And 
we had to get a symbol for the drums, so that came in, and so I don't know the price on that. It doesn't matter. We want to take up as much as we can. Any money that comes in that you designate uh, will go specifically to the music department. We could do some stuff with mics. There's several things that uh, Evangel uh, needs to update and upgrade, and uh, so that's what it'll do. We'll every, every penny will go towards the music department. So uh, if you can give towards that, Debbie and I, got, Debbie and I gave last week, we're, we're just asking you to designate on check, on your envelope, or if you're giving online, you can give online and designate it there. So, uh, and if you need help with that, you can see, as, as it is noted right here, Don or Amy can help you if you need to get set up online. So last week, getting right into the mess. Oh, by the way, welcome Team Challenge. Can we give them a hand? Glad you guys are here. Uh, so um, we started last week, and we so, talked about God's will, right? So we tried to dive into what we understand about the will of God. What does it mean? What does it have to do with us? How do we discover it? What are the ways that we can go about finding God's will for our life? And so we said that for us to discover God's will, know what his plan is for our life, and to begin to follow that plan, we got to understand the way God communicates his will to us, and the scripture's pretty clear on it. There's three things, there's three types of, or three ways God's will is, is, is presented in the scripture. Those three ways are, first, uh, we talked about the providential will of God, God the, you know, God's providential will. What he's going to do, it doesn't matter. I mean, y'all know God's God. Amen? And because he's God, He's going to do things because he is God, okay? Uh, the unique thing about that we said last week was that he wants to use us to accomplish that. So he invites us in. He invites us in to accomplish his providential will, his plan uh, for the world. Uh, and, and, and so we use the example, one of the best examples, Mary. We talked about Mary. You know, God's plan was to save the world, but he needed, he invited Mary in and said, hey, I, you're going to be a part of this, you know. We, you know, you're you're you're, you're going to be with child. Uh, he's going to be the savior of the world. You're going to name him Jesus, and and so there's the reality that we could reject being a part of that, but we don't want to. We don't have to. We get to be a part of the providential will of God. And we talked about the moral will of God, that there's the second way that we see God's will in Scripture is the moral, God's moral will. And we talked about the thou shalt nots and the thou shalt and thou shalt nots. You know, do this, don't do that, right? Um, hey, honey, won't you come over and live with me? It'd be so much cheaper. I mean, you think about it. We wouldn't be paying two houses. We wouldn't be paying rent on two places. We'd be eating the same food. I mean, it'd be so much easier. Just come on. Come on. I'll come pack your stuff and move over. Come on. Hello. The scripture's pretty clear on that, right? That there's a moral will of God, and his plan is clear on the sexual relations, on the relationship that we're called into through what the scripture says is the biblical picture of marriage, which is a man and a woman united in covenant with one another. So uh, we can talk about more lying, cheating, stealing, all that stuff. This is just moral will. God said, do this, don't do this. Amen? Then we all get, get into, and we are going to finish, sort of dig a little deeper today, 
into this third one, which we want to talk about, and that is God's personal will uh, for us, what he wants for you. Amen? He got, he's got something for us, right? He's wanting to take us somewhere. He, wanted to, he wants to accomplish something in us and thus through us to the world around us. And so all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a spot where we start talking about God's personal will. Uh, and why is that important to know? Because the more familiar we become with what God asks us to do, the easier it is to discern God's personal will for our lives. So, so the more I understand providential will and, and him wanting to accomplish that through humanity, the more I understand that he can do whatever he wants to, but he invites me to be a part of that because he's God and he loves me. And then I, I know that there's a moral will, so I don't have to wrestle with that. It's black and white in the scripture. It's pretty plain. And then I get into this moment where I'm trying to discover his personal will for my life, and that, that's where I've got to get to this moment right here. So, so let's say we're familiar with what God asks us to do, but we, we're in one of those moments where we don't have much time. We're in one of those moments in life where maybe we don't feel like there's not much time to, to plan, to think. We need to know now. I need to know, well, God, God, what do you want me to do now? So, so I'm going to make a confession. I'm not good on this one. No, no, the negative side of this one. I, I, I'll wait forever. Debbie gets so frustrated at me. I'll wait forever. I said, you know, I just, I don't think, no, I don't think we need to do anything. I don't think it's time. Let's wait, you know. I, I mean, and I, I, I can't say it's ever played out really bad for me. I might have waited too long before, but I'm not uncomfortable with waiting, y'all. I'm not uncomfortable with calling time out and just sitting there and going, you know what? I remember a study I did years ago, Blackerby did it, uh, um, Knowing God, and one of the points in that was to wait, watch, watch and listen. So uh, one of the things I, I'm supposed to do is wait, watch for his activity around me, and listen for him to speak to me so that I'll know what I'm supposed to do. Amen? And so what we begin to discover about ourselves is we, we're convinced we can't wait to figure out what God's will is, and then what happens? We rush into something that's not his will. And then we find ourselves sort of in a spot, right? That's a nice way of saying it. Which raises this question, how do you discover God's will when you need to know ASAP? Well, there's, there's an answer in the scripture. I, I, I think there's a plan. I, I, matter of fact, I'm going to say this about this. We're going to go to 1 Kings 12. If you're taking notes, 1 Kings 12. And when we go to 1 Kings 12, we're going to take the first 15 verses and we're going to look at and see what the scripture says about this because this passage I believe has the most important spiritual principle known for discovering God's personal will for our lives. I believe in this passage we see what is the most important spiritual principle that we could ever apply to ourselves in trying to find and discover God's personal will for our lives. So believe me, God wants us to discover his personal will. I, 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 I mean... I, there's no, I have no reservation on that. More than you, more than you want to know, God wants you to know. Can I say it like that? More than you want to know, God wants to reveal to you and make known to you and help you to find and to discover His will, His personal will for your life. And He's given us a very specific way of discovering His will. Okay, and so I'm going to, I'm going to show it to you in this passage right here. It's in First Kings 12. I'm going to, I'm going to sort of tell the story to begin with, if I can. 
This is a story about a would-be king that stumbled into a principle, okay? And and, um, I'm going to give you the background first to lead up to it so that we can start off on verse 1. I will read a passage from 1 Kings 11, 11 through 13 in just a minute. Uh, if you're taking notes, that one will, will precede 1 Kings 12 because I want you to understand what's happening here. So, so the first king of Israel that was named was Saul. If you're a, if you're a Bible historian, you know Saul was the first king named. They, everybody, oh, we want a king, we want a king. So they, you know, they voted Saul in and Saul didn't do so well. So I won't go into a lot of detail there, but he didn't do so well. Then the next king that came along and replaced Saul was David, right? And so David comes along as a king, and he did really well. Now, he had some issues with the moral law, with the moral will of God. Okay, yeah, well, just, I mean, you know. But, but he, that, and it cost him. Look, when you, when, you, when you get out of the wheel, it costs. Amen? Then David's son Solomon follows him as king. And we know this. Solomon did okay in the beginning, but eventually he, he, he had his heart turned away from God and toward, he went after, he went after these, these foreign gods of the foreign wives that he had taken in because he had lots of wives. I don't understand it. I'm not going to have a long discussion there. So... Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Barry, give me a thumbs up. I, yeah, he's, he's, he feels me right there. So no offense to you, none at all. Uh, so God said to Solomon, watch this. It's in 1 Kings 11, 11 through 13. Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Now, that's a pretty strong word right there. I'm going to tear it away from you. You're not going to want this to happen. You're not going to like the way it's going to happen. You're not going to be comfortable with it happening, but it's about to happen. What is that? That's providential will. You listening to me? That's providential will. That's this is fixing to happen. You need to brace yourself. Amen? But then he makes this statement. He says, but for the sake of your father, David, I will not do this while you are still alive. I will take the kingdom away from your son. And even so, I will not take away the entire kingdom. I will let him be a king of one tribe for the sake of my servant David, for the sake of Jerusalem, my chosen city. So, real quick, God sends this prophet to Jeroboam. Jeroboam, um, who, who, and he makes, he makes this prophecy to him, who was a, 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 you know, a servant within that structure. He added that he was going to give a large portion of the kingdom to Jeroboam uh, and that his followers would rule over half of the kingdom or half of the nation of Israel. Later, here's the issue with that. This prophet comes and speaks this to Jeroboam, but King Solomon hears about this. Now, this was a day and time when the king had the power, okay, all right? So because the king had the power, what happened with David and Saul? King Saul hunts David. David goes hide. So here's one of these cases, same kind of picture. King Solomon finds out about Jeroboam's prophecy, not real happy about it. So Solomon, you know, he attempts to kill Jeroboam. He thinks the answer to this is just get rid of him. Why would he do that? Because he didn't want anybody to steal the legacy of his kingdom from his son Rehoboam. 
So he wants the legacy to continue no matter what God has said. He wants this to happen. And so in the meantime, because Jeroboam finds out and catches wind that Solomon has heard about this and he's not real happy, he strikes out to Egypt. Wise move, by the way. So he, he goes, he escapes. He goes into hiding. So I'm telling all that because I want to get I want to get you to the verses here. So time's ticking away, and finally King Solomon dies. And everyone assumes that his son Rehoboam would become king of Israel. In fact, if you look at it, you really take some time to dig into it. The nation not only assumed that he was going to be the next king, they thought he'd be the best choice as king. So they didn't know the prophecy. They didn't know all this stuff going on. They're just doing what they think is the right thing to do. How many of y'all know we can do the thing that we think is right, and it might not fit the plan of God? But that doesn't change God. God's going to accomplish his will, and there's a providential will that's being worked right here. There is a moral will that's involved, and there is a personal will that we'll find in here. And so we're going to talk about those right now. We pick up 1 Kings 12 as the nation sends representatives to crown Rehoboam as a king of Israel. And just before they crown him, there's a, there's a moment where the nation has come together, and you, you're going to see this in the first part. It, the nation's come together, and they, they, it sets up this principle that I'm talking about that we're fixing to get into, okay? The principle for discovering God's personal will for your life. So it begins in verse 1. It says this, Rehoboam went to Shechem where all Israel had gathered to make him king. When Jeroboam, so notice Rehoboam is the son right here of, of, of Solomon. Jeroboam has had this prophecy over him to, and he's fled because Solomon wanted to kill him. Solomon's dead and gone. All the people getting ready to vote in Rehoboam, Jeroboam shows back up. Why? Because the nation, they, they, you know, there, there was this need for something to happen within the nation. You're going to hear it. When Jeroboam, son of Nabat, heard of this, he returned from Egypt, for he had fled, fled to Egypt to escape from King Solomon. The leaders of Israel assumed or summoned him, I'm sorry. The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. So all of the leaders, the whole assembly of Israel means all those who were in leadership, held a position in, in, in Israel, went with Jeroboam to have a discussion with Rehoboam, who they believed was about to be elected or voted in or declared or anointed, whatever. So Jeroboam comes home. He's getting ready to be a part of the crowning of Rehoboam, the king. Jeroboam, the people realize this was an opportunity to sort of turn the direction of the nation. Jeroboam, I don't even think in this moment, was seeing that the prophecy was going to be fulfilled. He was just trying to work with the leadership who was seeing that there was a need for some change. And here's what they requested. Verse 4, your father was a hard master, they said. Light and harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us. Then we will be your loyal subjects. So the phrase loyal subject right here is another way of saying then we will serve you. So there was a desire to serve the king, but in that desire, there was the awareness that if he was like the one before his father, then there was going to be issues because it was difficult. As a matter of fact, if we took time to look at it, basically I'm going to paraphrase it in my words. Look. If you'll lighten up and do a better job in leadership and leading us compared to the way your father led, which was rough. Jer uh, Rehoboam, it was rough. 
I mean, he, he had us always building things. He, he forced us into hard labor. He put all these big taxes on us where they was raising money to take care of all this stuff he was building and all this labor that was going on. I mean, he wore us out. He was, he was a hard master. And so what we're asking is we want you to be king, but we just need you to promise that you're going to lighten up a little bit. So that's my way of saying what they were saying. And here's Rehoboam at a defining moment. How many of y'all know we all face defining moments? And here's what I don't want you to miss in this. Though there was a providential will at work here, there was a free will of the person. Though there was a providential moment, God was about to do something that he said he was going to do, there was the free will of a, of a man and of a people. There was the free will that God created each one of us with where we get to choose something. I get to choose life or death. I get to choose if I'm going to follow Jesus or if I'm going to keep going my way and, and end in destruction, the scripture says. So, here we are. In this defining moment for Rehoboam, when people said, we want you to be king, we just, need you to, we just need you to be a different kind of king than your father was. And Rehoboam has this difficult decision to make. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts about this. There was a lot at stake here. See, because this is what I don't want you to miss. It had been easy to, for him to just say, I, I, all right, I'll lighten up. I'm going to be a more merciful king. Well, what would that have created? Well, that would have created possibly a, the, the, that would have communicated weakness. Because once they saw that he was willing to adjust what it was, who knows, next week they may come with more requests, right? I mean, I mean, we recognize that there is this, this unspoken set of rules that's operating right here that nobody really knows who has control over those rules. Uh, do this, and who knows, next week they'll come back. He could end up being held hostage to the request of Israel. I mean, he, he may never have led if he'd have made that decision, or it may have been different. He may have changed it, and all of a sudden, there would have been this, this, this peaceful coexistence and a cheering every time he walked into the building. We don't know. He knew his father was hard, and there might have been something in him that wanted to go along with this or, or agree with the people. So, so something happens here, and this is where the principle is. A few things I've noticed that were super smart uh, facing such an important decision. The first thing that I noticed about this was he asked for a little more. He asked for a little time to make the decision. Look, if you're getting ready to buy a car tomorrow because in the morning you wake up and you think, I think I'm going to buy a car. I suggest you wait until Tuesday or Wednesday. Why, Brother David? Because you may be working off an impulse. You may be working off of some, some pizza you had last night. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we get moved by all kinds of things. And what ends up happening is we find ourselves putting ourselves in a really bad position because we don't take time to think it through. We don't take time to plan it, to, to prepare, to see it as it is, to see beyond it as it could be. So, so verse 5 says, Rehoboam replied, give me three days to think this over, then come back for my answer. So the people went away. So it seemed like everybody was like, hey, cool. 
I mean, he's going to think about it. That's all we can ask. I mean, we've asked him to do it. He's, he's agreed to consider it. So this is what all of us need to do when we face a decision to make uh, that, has, has, that has to be made now. I don't know of very many things in my life that had a nail on them. You listen to me? Debbie and I dated for a while. Then she was going to stay home for that, that last year of school that I was going to. And this was a long time ago, y'all. There wasn't social media. I didn't have a cell phone. I had to go to a booth and pick it up. And <laughs> it was just before, just before Roy went to the phone and they had to go. <laughs> I didn't do it to Bob. Just so he should be thankful. No, no. Uh, so, so I dialed. I had to call her. So we went a whole year. I mean, a whole year. I engaged. I asked to marry me in July. We went a whole year until that following May. Now, I confess, I graduated the 16th of April and I got married May the 7th. So, I mean, there was three week prep time, which didn't require a lot because now, I mean, back then, you, you got married because you were in love and there was a lifetime of living in front of you. I mean, now you got planned six months just on who's going to direct the wedding. So, anyway. Spare, spare me. Uh, okay. So uh, so I say that to say, understand, in this moment, there was this, there, uh, we get under all this pressure to make decisions. It has to happen now. This is the way it's got to be. And it's okay to say, I need, I need time. I need some time to pray. I need some time to think. I need some time to talk this through. I've got to, I, if it's got to be made today, then that's the answer. No. The second thing that I noticed, and I'm not in the principle yet, I'm just noticing some really key things that happened right here. So he asked for time to make this decision. The second thing he did was very important. And this is sort of a part, this gets us into what I believe is one of those, those key principle moments. And that is, he says in verse 6, Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? So the second thing is go to others for counsel. I mean, you buy this window of time. Don't go shut yourself in a closet. Go find somebody you trust and that loves you and ask them to speak truth to you. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more tonight. I'm going to give you the things to ask, the way to ask them, the five things that really set you up to hear from, from those around you what the personal will of God for you and how to find those people and how to, he ask questions that give that response back, that create the opportunity. Um, so, so we see in this scripture that he went to them and he asked for their counsel. Rehoboam asked for the input of wise older men that God had spoke through to his father. So you go, well, his father was a hard master. There was a problem then because they were, I mean, what good were they? Just because he was bad, that mean their information was bad. You listen to me? So, so he, realized, he realized these guys had tried to direct my father and give him wise counsel. All of what we have is because my father had done this through counsel from others. So I'm going to these. I'm going to find out what they say. These guys have watched his father rule. 
They had seen the mistakes his father had made and had seen the consequences of the decisions that he had made. And so they were a good source of guidance. I think the what should I do statement right here by Rehoboam is probably uh, the best decision he made in the tenure of his kingship. When he went and said, what should I do? I mean, one of the best decisions you'll make in your decision-making process is to find somebody that you can go to and that you can lay your story out before and then you can say, what should I do? What should I do? Verse 7, the older counselors, counselors replied, if you're willing to be a servant to these people today and give a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal servant, subjects or your servants. They'll always serve you if you'll just serve them right there. If you're willing to serve them, they will become servants like you've never imagined. I mean, that's basically what he was saying right there. They nailed it. That was godly counsel. That was godly counsel. Um, they told him if he'd be a servant leader, position himself as a servant of the people, they would in turn always serve him. I mean, that's what we're looking for. If, we, he'd, if he'd taken their advice, I, I, and I can't prove this, I mean, I don't know, I, I can only tell you God's providential will was involved in this, but there was a free will of a person. So if he would have chose that advice, I don't believe we'd be reading this history of his kingship. You understand what I'm saying? I think it would have, I think things would have happened, but not this. You listen to, not this. So, so, so what is this? This is where he's gone and done the right thing and presented to us one of the best principles that you could ever apply to your life in finding the personal will of God for you. But then verse 8 comes along. Let's go to it. Don't you love the scriptures? But Rehoboam rejects the advice of the older men. Ah, I don't know. It sounds a little bit selfish. And instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. What is your advice, he asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to tight, lighten the burdens imposed by my father? Stop right there. <laughs> verse 8. This be like, this, so, 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 so verse 8 gives us this, this 180, this reversal that seems to happen within Rehoboam and him going to the younger men. So it'd be like, so, so I got to thinking about how this would look. I've got a son that's a worship pastor on staff down in Florida church. It'd be like him having the opportunity to, you know, he's got a decision about the future and the direction of the worship in the church. It'd be like him all of a sudden deciding instead of going to the pastor or the staff pastor or the staff around him or even some of the men and the older, the, the leaders, the lay leaders in that church, it'd be like him like brushing them off and going to the, going to the, the college group. Uh, don't take offense to that. I'm not against college. Don't get that wrong. I mean, these are the people who are in it for the moment that he goes to and says, look, I got a decision about the future to make. I want y'all's advice. I, I mean, they've told me what they, I just, I just think, I think that, I just don't think they know what they're talking about. So y'all tell me. And there, and so, 
Let's say, let's say he decides to ask for it. Not that they can't give advice, good advice, but when a guy's been around the block a time or two, it'd be good to ask him what he thinks about what's on the other side. And so basically, he had asked the ones who'd been around the block a time or two and said, look, we know what the other side is. You ought to do this. And he goes, no, 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 I don't think so. So, so where's the danger in Rehoboam's decision? So the danger is here. It's in verse 9. What's your advice, he asked them. What should I answer the people uh, when, who want me to lighten the, the burdens imposed by my father? The catch here, the catch here, there's a catch. There's a catch. There's always a catch. Say amen. There's always a catch. There's always a catch. I was talking about the boyfriend asking the girl, hey, come live with me. There's a catch. Okay? I was talking about going buying a car tomorrow because you got somebody saying it's the deal's only today. There's a catch. It's always a catch. It's always a catch. Always a catch. The catch here was this. These guys had a lot at stake in it because they were beside him and believed that their future would be impacted by his decisions. What is that? I'm going to give you my dad's phrase. They had a dog in the hunt. See, coon hunters used to, they, they, the big deal in a coon hunting competition is you wanted your dog to be in the hunt. If your dog wasn't barking in the hunt, he didn't get points for it. You wanted him to not only be barking in the hunt, you want him to treat. You want him to be one of does the first trees bark. I mean, when you get that, you get high points. You get, you get important points. Had a dog in the hunt. It's about like having a car in the race. It's like having all kinds of, I mean, we're talking about guys who knew my future depends on this. Verse 10, the young men reply, this is what you should tell those complaining who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's wrist. <laughs> a waist, I'm sorry, I said wrist, waist. So he, they were, I'm going to translate that. You ain't seen nothing yet. You, you, you wait till I'm in charge. You think he was bad? You hang on. I'm coming. I'm coming with a bigger building. I'm coming with more difficult labor. I'm coming after more money, more taxes, more of, I'm coming after your children and your children's children. It almost sounds demonic, doesn't it? Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a phrase. Pride comes before what? So basically, their pride spoke for them. And this is what 11 through 14 says. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. That's what they told him to say to the people. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to the people, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So real quick, let's just dig for just a second. Here's why I understand this to say. I'm going to give you my thoughts on it, and then we're going to get to decision for ourselves and for our future. This is a picture of God's providential will. 
blending with someone who is trying to make a right decision, the right decision. Some would say Rehoboam was destined to fail. Why? Because it already been prophesied. But I want to say this, even though God had already decided the kingdom would be divided, it didn't have to be divided now. He had the opportunity to make the right choice, to listen to the counselors he had gone to in the beginning that I believe the Spirit led him to. And whenever he got the information, rather than being humble, his pride rose up and he went to the people who hadn't been around the block, who had a dog in the hunt, who didn't understand the circumstances, who hadn't seen and experienced all the things that were out there and had already labeled everybody. Here's what tell those complaining. God fulfilled his providential will through the free choice of Rehoboam. Through the free will of Rehoboam. He, he, he had this free will and he chose. This is what we're going to do. So God did his providential will. But it was through that choice. He, he gave him the option. So Rehoboam had a choice and he chose wrong. You and I, some will apply that to us. You and I have the same opportunity to choose God's personal will every day based off of the great advice that we receive from others or poor advice that we receive from others, the choice is ours. Amen? So what's the point? The point is God wants to use the counsel of others to guide us to his personal will. God wants to use people. Matter of fact, you know, as I thought about it, I thought the best way to define this, God, God makes difficult decision-making simple. Here it is. Ready? He gave you me, and he gave me you. He gave us what the scripture calls one another. Why don't we go to each other? Why don't we lean on each other? Why don't we ask each other? The same reason, the same reason, Rehoboam, pride. We'll talk about that some tonight too, but I'm just saying to you tonight, He's given us one another to facilitate the decision-making process. He's given us one another so that when the time comes for a decision, we've received some really great advice. We may have asked people who gave us poor advice. We've got to be discerning. We've got to trust God to show us the way and the plan and the purpose. I mean, I, I got three boys, two married now, one not. I mention that only to say, I mean, I probably... I mean, they ask me advice. They ask me advice. They want, they want my input. They might not always follow it, but I think, I think they're learning that I've been around the block a time or two. I know what's on the other side. And they don't always want to hear that. We'll talk about that. But the fact is, I got, I, I, I got no dog in this hunt. I want them to succeed, but I'm not going to tell them something outside of what I know is biblical and true. I mean, look, let's just go back to this one thing. If what you're asked to do is not biblical, then you have your answer. I mean, is it, can it be that simple? Yes, it can be that simple. Well, I'm not sure about that. Go ask somebody that's made the wrong decision. <laughs> Amen? Just go ask somebody that's made the wrong decision. They'll look at you and say, you lost your mind. And you have. Amen? I mean, you can get back your mind. You just, 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 you just lost it. Go find it. Well, hell, let's get some help. You know, I lost my mind. Can you help me? They'll look around and find your mind with you. 
You just got to be willing to accept it. <laughs> Look, come on, Billy. Whatever difficult decision you're facing today, God is speaking to you and saying this to you today. Trust me. I think he's also trying to say to us, trust those that I have placed in your life. I mean, listen, so I'm, I'm going to talk about this. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about this just a little bit. I, I asked dad advice, but dad lived in a different generation than I did. And I understand my boys ask me advice, but I live through a different generation than they are. So I'm sort of on the outside looking in. So I can't tell them this, that, and the other about everything they're facing in a culture that is so different than me now. But I can give them a principle. Principles don't change. Maybe the culture around us changing, but principles don't change. What is that principle? The principle is God's got a wheel. He's working that wheel. He has invited me in to be able to accomplish that thing that he's trying to accomplish now i need to be smart and do do the right thing live by a moral code that his scripture calls for me to live by and then when it comes down to me making personal choices i need to be mindful that he's working this wheel of his and it is going to line up with it or i am out of his wheel it's going to line up with the word of god or i'm out of his wheel and it takes people maybe who have found his word for that moment, who failed maybe and can look back and say, this is what I did. Don't do that. David failed. David failed. He was a great king. Bad, 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 bad moral decision maker. Bad, 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 bad. Cost him a son, a child cost him friends, cost him influence. God's word doesn't change, though. What does it say about him? Man after my own heart. So, so I'm not saying that you can't make bad decisions. I'm just saying you've been given a lot of help to make good decisions. And it's possibly sitting next to you or sitting behind you. Or there's people that are placed over you and there's friends that you've got. Now, look, I mean, let's face it. Well, I, should not, I should stop. I'm about to get into tonight. But I'm going to say this one thing. Listen, if, if, the, if the person in the cubicle next to you at work is in their fourth marriage, don't ask them for marriage advice. I'll give them one, but listen, if they're in fourth, I, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. There's people who've got good marriages, and they've lasted a long time, and they'd be good to talk with. So I'm just saying, if you're, if you're going for financial advice to somebody who's in debt over their means, they might not be the right person to talk to about finance. I got ready to start a business. What I do? I didn't go to the person who was in their fourth business that they started that had failed their first three. I went to someone who had started four businesses. All of them had succeeded and sold for unbelievable amounts of money. And they turned around and looked at me and talked to me about starting my business. 
This isn't rocket science, folks. This is humility. This is humbling yourself. This is being in the will of God. This is knowing that God's bigger and has a bigger plan than you can imagine, and you need his input, and he's put people in your life to help you get that input. Amen? Amen. So if you're in that moment where you've got this difficult decision, I want to ask you this morning. If you're in a season where decision-making has become difficult at best, at worst, it's just you're, you're locked down. You don't know what to do. I mean, will you trust God to place in your life the person in your path, whatever you want to call it, before you, the person or persons who can speak the truth to you in love? And will you be willing to receive that? Because that's all I'm asking. If you're in a place where there's some difficult decisions that you're facing and you don't know what to do, ask God to give you guidance and when somebody comes to your mind that you trust that you, and the spirit says talk with them then be willing to sit with them lay it out and look them in the eye and say what would you do is this biblical what would you do I need help Father, we bow before you. We all wrestle with decisions, choices. That's what we're talking about. When to do, what to do, where to do it, why to do it, how to do it, all those things. They're most, most, most of them, if we were honest, or that we wrestle with are relational. There's other decisions that we, we, we face because this was a relational decision. This was a leader who could make an impact on a nation by choosing to humble himself and serve. But rather than do that, he received advice that was poor at best, selfish in its purest form. And ultimately, he paid the price. I've paid all the prices for those things I want to pay, Lord. I confess to you that I'm a proud human being and that I know you constantly remind me of what it takes to be humble in your presence. And so that's what this morning is about. It's humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord so that he will lift us up in due time. I want your due time. I don't want my time. I want your time, the time that you see as due. And I think that those who are here want the same thing. So, God, we just take this moment and we open ourselves up to your spirit to speak to us about our trust in you and to have you to reveal to us your will. Show us your will and your way, Lord. Show us your will and your way. Won't you stand with me? I, I want to open the altar. I want to. I want to give a chance for prayer, specifically about this area of decision making. If you're in a point in your life where you're at a place, there's a moment, there's a decision, there's a choice you're facing, 
and you're trying to figure out how to handle it, and you've been praying about it and saying, God, show me, and God is speaking to you this morning. He's saying, trust me. I'm going to put people in your life that's going to speak to you, and they're going to reveal to you my will. They're going to encourage you in the way, the truth, the life that I have for you. I believe he's saying that to you. Will you bring that to the altar? Will you bring that and just stand across this front and let us agree with you that God is, God is able to reveal his personal will for your life? Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just, just listen. We'll make room. Just find.